I am going to tell you a story that a powerful state doesn't want you to know about tens of thousands who have disappeared. Once they get into the hands of the military, they will be tortured brutally. It's a story so dangerous to tell that for some, it's meant ending up on a kill list. She was seen as a dangerous political actor and a threat to Pakistan's security, but she was a local hero. The Kill List, a six-part investigative podcast, available now. Get early access to episodes at cbc.ca slash listen, or by subscribing to the CBC True Crime Premium channel on Apple Podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. This particular camp, because of such a dry summer, uh, we did call 311 about because they were having fires and we were concerned about the safety of the community and the local area. There's lots of needles around. You know, one propane tank is taken out, but another one pops up soon after. So the kids don't use the treehouse anymore. There is a tobogganing hill or kind of a path that goes down to the creek and they don't use that anymore. Our kids like to play street hockey out in front and they are scared to do so now because they're worried about people coming up from the path. Jessica Therian lives close to a homeless encampment in Edmonton. Over the past week, police and city workers have been clearing tents and structures from a number of these locations. Police say the encampments are dangerous and now being infiltrated by gangs. But people who live there, people like Chris Burgess, say they are doing their best to keep things clean and safe. I got a lot of friends that live on the streets and use drugs. I'm one of them. So, you know, you do what you got to do to survive and you know really it's a shame you know like i don't know why the cops would kick people out you know not everybody can afford a place to live you know i'm one of them i just sit down here and say hey look you know we're not all bad people really this is technically city property so you know if it's maintained clean I don't see what the problem is, you know, I don't see the harm. Advocates for people experiencing homelessness are suing the city of Edmonton over how these camps are being torn down. Aaron Paquette is a city councillor and Edmonton's deputy mayor. Aaron, good morning. Good morning. Why are these camps being cleared now? Yeah, these camps are being cleared uh, mostly at the behest of Edmonton Public uh, or Edmonton Police Services. And the reasoning they give is that there are some inherent dangers uh, that have to do with crime, human trafficking, uh, outbreaks of uh, disease, sanitation, and fire threats. Um, and uh, you know, essentially that organized crime also tends to prey upon the folks in these camps. And so when, uh, you know, the paraphernalia of, of uh, drug use items and things like that start to increase in the area, uh, in the encampment sites, um, it is deemed a, a public health risk, and uh, then the request is that the city support a cleanup. Just to be clear, I mean, the police have said that this is not a unilateral action, that the city has been involved in this as well. City officials, uh, including bylaw officers, park rangers, fire as well, that it's not just police who are doing this. Yeah, so, uh, and that's a good point. And I guess if uh, we want to answer that question, we've got to back it up a little bit. Why are we in this situation? Why does the city have to develop an encampment policy? And that is because the uh, level of government that is primarily responsible for housing, for shelters, for mental health and addictions um, is, frankly, not doing their job. In 2019, they cut funding to all of those areas. Right. Here we are today, post-pandemic. And so cities like Edmonton and across Canada are faced with uh, this situation that, frankly, is a provincial government 
responsibility. Let me get to that. And yet it has let, been let, downloaded onto municipalities. Let me get to that in a moment. Let's focus from right now on these sure. encampments themselves. The chief of police, Dale McPhee, has been warning about the dangers of the encampments. You ran down a number of the concerns that police and others have. Have a listen to the chief in an interview with CBC last month. We've got first responders pulling people that have literally burnt to death out of fires. That's not okay. Uh, as cold weather gets, you got nylon tents. Um, you know, then you obviously have some of the people that are in those encampments, uh, criminal activity that's preying on some of the vulnerable population. You've got public health concerns. Last two years, we went from 6,500 encampment complaints to just about 15,000. This is not okay. This needs a different approach. These things all need to come down. At an encampment on Sunday, there was a fire. Two people were taken to hospital. There was a propane tank explosion. There was also, and this is separate from that explosion, but a body was discovered at one of these encampments as well. The chief says that's not okay. Is that acceptable? Well, no, none of this is acceptable. And in fact, what happens when we uh, have an encampment that's broken down is uh, sure, the city can get in and clean up uh, the biohazard waste. Um, but once it's all said and done, the encampment literally returns the next day. Is there anything and that the city can do to prevent that so that people um, are safe, but nothing. they don't just set up um, another camp down the road? No. Uh, some of them may, may avail themselves of the services that are offered. They, they're offered rides. They're offered uh, um, help. But some of them, frankly, um, when it comes down to it, want to feel some form of self-reliance and independence. And so, yeah, they will set up again. As you understand it, where are those, if the encampments are, are being broken down at the behest in some regards of the city, but also with the police and fire involved, where are those who are in those encampments? Where are they supposed to go? Well, that's the question, isn't it? So there are shelter spaces, but people don't want to go to those. Um, in fact, because the province is in charge of shelters, what the city did is we drafted minimum shelter standards that they could follow that through consultation with the, with the homeless community, they said, yeah, if, if it was like that, we would go to shelters. But it's, uh, you know, at such a, uh, a state that even the minimum shelter standards are not being employed by the province. And we don't know why and we don't have the authority as a municipality to ensure that those standards are being met. The Premier of Alberta, Daniel Smith, has pointed out that the province is funding 1,700 shelter beds in Edmonton. What additional help is your city looking for from the province? Well, let's look at it this way. What we are looking at is um, last actions. So everything else has failed. And so now they're funding shelters. By the way, uh, there are more people who are homeless than there are shelter spaces available uh, in general. But those shelter spaces will have, uh, you know, empty beds because people don't want to go to them. Uh, so we are in this position as a last resort. Um, really what the problem should be doing is providing housing, providing spaces for recovery. Um, and these things just are not there. Advocates for people who are living rough say that in the absence of appropriate shelter or shelter that people don't feel comfortable in, the city should instead support encampments with fire protection and sanitation instead of removing those sites. Is that the answer, do you think, to help people live more safely Again, on the no, streets? It's, it, it's, it's a last line of defense. It's absolutely not an answer. It is absolutely something that we've been talking about as a city council and as a, as a city overall is if this is our reality, if if 
honestly, the federal government and the provincial government government are not moving fast enough in order to help us with this, then what do we do? Do we manage these encampments? By the way, people are paying their income tax dollars specifically for these things to already happen. They're not paying their property tax dollars for that, but the city is spending uh, so far $250 million in effort of housing and shelters, and we need help. We need all levels of government to take this seriously. Danielle Smith called the uh, mental health and addictions crisis in our streets a crisis. So the question is, where is this crisis movement? We'll leave it there. Um, we're going to speak more in just a moment about uh, how those who are suing the city see the city's responsibility in addressing this crisis. In the meantime, Aaron Paquette, thank you very much. Well, thank you very much. And honestly, I think that we're going to, we're going to find a lot of similarities between their position and the city's, but uh, here we are. Here we are indeed. Aaron Paquette is a city councillor and deputy mayor of Edmonton. Sam Mason is president of the Coalition for Justice and Human Rights. That group is suing the city over its handling of encampments. Sam Mason, good morning to you. Good morning. What are you hearing from people who've been living in encampments about the impact that the removals, including the ones this weekend, are having on them? I mean, for many of them, it's um, it's a it's a familiar story. Um, I think that word has gotten out about um, the lawsuit and the injunction, of course. Um, so there's maybe a little bit more renewed hope, and maybe there's a little bit more, um, you know, it might it might hurt even harder knowing <laughs> that um, it's happening, even though we've made our point that this violates their human rights, but. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's tough, and when we look at the weather coming up, it's mm. just it. I I feel truly, truly sick. Where but, are they? Go- where are the people um, who are in those encampments? As you understand it, where are they going when the encampments are torn down? I was at one um, just at the end of last year, and like, I I literally walked people's stuff over a block, half a block. Um, so I know that that's where most of the people are going. Just setting up, just, just setting up another site. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, we like I heard Aaron talk about the 1700 funded spaces, but funded spaces are not actual operating spaces um and nor are they as he mentioned adequate for most people. What do you say to people including police, fire officials and others who are raising concerns about safety in these encampments, gang activity that preys on the residents there, human trafficking, two people were taken to hospital for burns this weekend, a body was found at another site. The the, the comments from, from public health officials and others say that these aren't safe places. I mean, we can agree that in, in general, living unhoused is not a safe um, option for most people, but uh, we, I mean, according to the city of Edmonton, there were no arrests or warrants executed or tickets issued during their encampment um, displacement. So we we really maintain if they they want to address the sim if they want to address the crime or the risk, um, then they can do that. And like we said, even with fire safety, there's opportunities to, you know, create warming spaces within encampments. I will listen to the cross country checkup and mm-hmm. heard that woman living in an encampment in. Uh, Kelowna and she says they work with bylaw and they they create separations that there's no tent um, or fire risk like there are other options and so is that I mean I asked the deputy mayor that and he said that that's not the solution but to you is that one of the solutions that you think should be put forward that that these encampments should be made 
safer is a strange word, but in some ways, safer places with fire protection, with sanitation, et cetera, instead of tearing them down just so that they can be rebuilt across the street. I mean, I share the same concerns as the deputy mayor that encampments as a, as a rule are not the answer, but they are a reality. And so what are we doing in the interim while we, we've been waiting for the province to step up? We've been waiting for, you know, um, all of these other options, like uh, Mr. Paquette said, like it's, it's, that's not there. And so this is a reality. And what are we doing in the interim? It's interesting because he said that he felt that you and he would agree and that your group and, and the city would, would agree um, on many of the positions here. To a lot of people, it's not acceptable that there are encampments across this country, not just in Edmonton, but in cities and small towns right across this country. Um, they also find it really difficult to understand in a country as wealthy as ours, why people are still living out on the streets. What is the shared position that you have with the city on what has to happen next, do you think? Yeah, I think when you look at the big picture, of course, I think the city and I have a similar position um, that in general, like what's, what's really the biggest risk to these folks is poverty and living on the streets. And so, but, but that's where we're at and there's, and it's only getting worse. Um, So of course we agree that the, the ultimate solution is permanent uh, supportive housing, uh, you know, addressing affordability, addressing the crisis of like, I, I, I work with people who are, you know, never have considered being homeless before in their lives and they are on a fixed income um, and they're getting issues of, you know, their rents going up $500 mm. and they are on a fixed income. And how are, how are you supposed to rectify those two things? So ultimately, yes, of course, me and the city have the same position that homelessness shouldn't exist. But what the crux of the matter is, is that right now the city does have power over how they're um, responding to encampments. And what they are doing is violating people's human rights and, so- and their yeah. We're going to talk more about, about the, the legal aspects around that, but I'm really glad to have you here as part of this conversation. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no problem. Sam Mason is president of the Coalition for Justice and Human Rights. Hello, I'm Jess Milton. For 15 years, I produced The Vinyl Cafe with the late, great Stuart McLean. Every week, more than 2 million people tuned in to hear funny, fictional, feel-good stories about Dave and his family. We're excited to welcome you back to the warm and welcoming world of the Vinyl Cafe with our new podcast, Backstage at the Vinyl Cafe. Each week, we'll share two hilarious stories by Stuart. And for the first time ever, I'll tell you what it was like behind the scenes. Subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts. Julia Riddle is a constitutional lawyer in Vancouver who's been involved in cases involving people experiencing homelessness. Julia, good morning to you. Good morning. Help us understand this. At the center of these lawsuits is Section 7 of the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Can you can you explain what that is? Yeah, so in basic terms, Section 7 promises people the right to life, liberty, and security of the person. What that means in plain language is that the government generally is not allowed to put your life at risk or harm your personal security, which means cause you severe psychological harm or take away your liberty, which includes your ability to make fundamental choices about your own life. So when it comes to living outdoors, you as an individual have a right to protect your life, your safety, your dignity. And that means, practically speaking, uh, that or that's been interpreted by the courts to say you have a right to set up a tent, uh, to stay safe, to keep yourself from dying of exposure. And the government can only interfere with you 
doing that with you protecting yourself, if it's one, trying to accomplish an important goal, and two, what it's doing to accomplish that goal is proportionate. So it's logically connected to uh, that goal and it's trying to harm those rights as little as possible. How is that complicated by the claims we've heard from police and others that these encampments are dangerous? That again, I ran through a list of the things that people are worried mm-hmm. about, including human trafficking, gang activity, um, fire risk, what have you. How does that complicate those rights that you, mm-hmm. you're citing at the center of, of, of this lawsuit? So uh, when you, I think it's important to start with what is creating that risk. Encampments are not the problem. The The problem is not, pe- because encampments are just people sleeping outside, people who don't have homes. Uh, the problems that you're seeing when you're looking at things that are specific, like crime, uh, like human trafficking, like fire risk, well, we have those in places that are not just encampments. Those are problems that people create. And the question is, what is a minimally impairing measure to deal with that? So, you know, what they're saying, when, when you have a case where they're, um, the city's response is just to go in and get rid of people's homes, you have to ask, well, is there something you could do to deal with those problems that isn't just bulldozing their homes? You know, if I I live in an apartment building, if Mm. there's a fire risk in my building, they don't raise my building to the ground because they recognize, well, that's going to cause more problems than it solves. We heard earlier from a resident who lives near one of the encampments in Edmonton, and she fears for her family's safety. Her her kids are afraid to play in the neighborhood park. They worry about uh, needles uh, and fire risk in, in those communities. Do the rights that you're citing... Do they also apply to those people who live near those encampments? Of course. Uh, but, I mean, that's where I think you have to look at, and sit, you, know, you know, cities need to have an evidence-based approach to these sorts of issues. One, you have to look at, okay, are there actual safety risks that, um, you know, need to be dealt with in the area? And I think your previous guest made a point around this, that, you know, if there's crime, the city has the ability to deal with that. We already have laws around crime. You should be enforcing those laws. Uh, but the problem isn't that homeless people exist. The problem is then you need to deal with the laws around crime. Um, and there can be a lot of panic around encampments. There can be a lot of people saying, well, I don't like looking at homelessness. I see a needle on the ground and I think that's inherently uh, dangerous. Do you understand where, Do you understand where that comes from? I... To be quite honest, I think we have a real sense of shame as a society that we've allowed the world to get to this point that people are living in parks en masse and that is the only way they have to survive. But we don't help those people by making their existence illegal. You know, that is the reality of the world we live in. Uh, and and that doesn't mean that it's legal for us to go and, and destroy their homes. What do we, we just have a minute and 30 seconds left. What do we do about this, do you think? I mean, there's, this is an issue that's playing out across the country. In Halifax, for example, there's an encampment set up in the Grand Parade, a downtown square in front of City Hall, um, that you know, the people who are living there have electricity that's supplied to them. In the city of Toronto, there are giant kind of domes that are over parks um, and fields where they've become kind of, not temporary, but almost permanent shelters now. What do we do about this, do you think? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, as both your previous guests said, um, you know, we need housing. We need housing that people can afford, and we need to have that uh, at a rate that matches the rate of affordable housing we're losing. But, in, right the, now, but in the absence of that, right, in the absence now, right of, now, what do we do? Yeah, 
in the absence of that, uh, we need to recognize that, you know, wishful thinking does not get rid of homelessness. By saying nobody deserves to live in an encampment is not very helpful to somebody who doesn't have anywhere else to live. So you treat those encampments as necessities. You give those people safe sources of heat, safe sources of um of tents you you organize them in a way like you you give people legal places to set up their tents and and you don't just try to ignore the problem away because if you do that you know that's how you end up with encampments that are too big that are too dangerous that where people don't have that ability to look after themselves because people who are living in encampments generally you know chris your first get mm. your said it best you know they are doing what they need to do to survive um, people, there are many encampments in this country that have been set up that are incredibly safe. Right. Um, so look at those examples, learn from them, and let people do what they need to do. But you're not going to get rid of the problem by making it illegal, and, and that's not constitutional. Julia, really glad to talk to you. Thank you very much. Thanks. Julia Riddle is a constitutional lawyer in Vancouver. Your thoughts on this? Welcome. This is an issue right across this country. You can email us, current at cbc.ca. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.